Hey, Revenue Radio, it's Mary Grothy by myself today. Well, I have my microphone and my cell phone keeping me company, but that's okay. On that, we are going to talk about why most VPs of sales fail. There's so much out on this topic on the internet. You can Google and read to your heart's content, but I'm going to tell you from my perspective why I think most VPs of sales fail. Part of it is on them. Part of it is on the company. So let's break this down. First, most scaling companies don't know when to hire their first VP of sales. It's typically a chicken or egg problem. Here's what I mean by this. When you get to the point where you've scaled past founder-led sales, who's the next hire? Do you bring on a VP level person that can build infrastructure, that can build process, build a playbook and grow a team? Or do you bring on somebody that can execute and sell? Well, it's hard because typically when you're scaling a company and you move on from founder led sales, when the founders are doing sales, there's no overhead for that. You're not paying a base salary. You're not paying commission. Most founders aren't detail-oriented, so they hate using a CRM, so there's usually no CRM. They keep track of everything in their email or an Excel spreadsheet. Also, there's no overhead for management because they are the salesperson, so they're managing themselves. The next things that a uh, few things that make it difficult, they have a really high close rate because they're the founder, and they're really smart about their product or service, and they have clout. So when they're meeting with a prospective client, the way that a founder can talk about their product or service, that will be unmatched by anyone else who's going to come on and take that sales function. So one area that VPs of sales will fail is that you take the founder sale, which I just described, it's very inexpensive with a really high close rate. And they take that model and they try to replicate it. So then they say, do we hire a VP of sales or do we hire a salesperson? So I've seen these two things happen. A VP of sales gets hired and they're not scrappy enough. So for an early stage company, oftentimes if it's investor backed, investors want that real flashy, like former IBM, X Apple, whatever. And they want these big flashy titles. Okay, cool. But you want to take a VP of sales who worked in a Fortune 50 company or even Fortune 1000 company, and you want to put them in an environment where they don't even have a CRM yet. Okay, that sounds like a disaster, but it happens all the time. So one area that they'll fail is that we bring in someone who's overqualified and they're not scrappy enough. They can't build from scratch. They've been wildly successful in their career, but they've had a lot of infrastructure already in place and sales team members. They've been responsible for a large sales organization. Great. Well, you don't want that person coming into a scrappy startup. So then there's my favorite. Well, they are really excited about working for a startup and doing something different. I'm like, oh, if you've never worked for a startup, let it not be a VP of sales position, please. Because the company's survival is dependent on generating 
sales and doing it as profitably and as quickly as possible. And if this person has not worked for a startup, they're going to want structure, black and white. They will not work well in a world of gray with ambiguity, with lack of definition around systems, processes, and then the worst around the product or service itself. As a founder, I want you to just pause for a second. Founders, CEOs, leaders, ask yourselves how many times has your product or service or the terms about pricing or contract changed when you're selling? As a founder, you're sitting with a prospect and you can create whatever deal you want while you're at the deal table. It's your company. You may have closed a lot of deals because you were able to come up with terms on the spot or say your product does something that it doesn't yet do that you can immediately go back and cascade that message to the product team. And within 30 days, by the time that new customer is using it, they're going to have that feature. That stuff doesn't exist anymore when you bring on a VP of sales or your first sales hire. And so this scenario is just so hard to get right. It's so hard. Plus a VP of sales typically is a high earner. (laughs) So then you're looking at what they want to make and you're trying to convince them to come work for you for equity, for future payouts, milestone bonuses. Um, It can get really interesting because then that poor VP of sales potentially is walking away from a very successful career with product market fit on their product or service with a great performing sales team. And they're walking away from a lot of comfort and potentially really good money for the hope of your company being successful. And if they haven't worked for a startup and scaled it, they're not going to be a good fit. So that's a big failure point for a new VP of sales. Now, this is not every scenario, right? I'm just talking about in like you get past your startup scale and you want to grow more. So this is typically what happens. So then let's say you didn't pull the trigger on a VP of sales. You hire a salesperson and then you make that awful mistake of saying, just sell for a few months and then you can build a team and you'll be the VP of sales. Uh, have they ever done that before? <laughs> and have they ever sold for a startup that doesn't have product market fit that doesn't have a plethora of happy paying customers that are referenceable as a salesperson. Like, let me just tell you, I'm a salesperson, but I'm also a founder and CEO. So for you founders and CEOs that need to hear this message, it is not easy for salespeople to sell a product or service with no name brand recognition, without a lot of paying customers, without that reference list. Like as a salesperson, we get questions like, well, this all looks great. And I think we're ready to move forward. We just need to speak with three customers of our exact same size that came off of our exact same product or service that we're using today in this specific use case. And you're like, I work for a small company. We don't even have three customers in your industry. Like they're not set up for success. And okay, I'm just going to pause because any good sales guru or trainers listening to this is going to be like, Mary, don't you know how to overcome that? Yes, I know how to overcome that. But in all actuality, when you are a small company and you don't have a lot of market share or name recognition, buyers are going to be very skeptical about paying for your product or service. So when you have those uh, case studies or testimonials or referenceable clients, it brings social proof and validation to the conversation. And that is extremely beneficial to get the sale. Okay, let's move on. So that is the scenario. So you bring on this salesperson 
and you tell them, hey, just sell for a few months and then you can go into VP of sales and you can build a team around you. Can we all just for a moment talk about the job description of a VP of sales? Because I have seen this dozens and dozens of times. People, a VP of sales requires so much knowledge and training and real world experience. Great VPs of sales work with finance. They inherit a number. They know how to interpret data. They know how to survey the total addressable market and carve it into a serviceable addressable market into a target market. They know how to survey territories and geographical areas to understand how to assign or develop quotas. Great VPs of sales are able to understand the metrics in a revenue economics plan. So they know the client acquisition cost. They know what the client acquisition cost payback period is. They're able to understand where there's growth and room of opportunity to grow revenue on existing accounts. A great VP of sales can build a compensation plan that will incentivize the salesperson to do the right things for the right amount of money. So they know how to build a comp plan that has accelerators in it. It has ways to increase their commission based on volume of sales. It has milestone bonuses. There's opportunities for the salesperson to win awards, recognition, trips, maybe a president club if your company is big enough to have something like that. But a great VP of sales can build a job description that makes sense. Not some super lame bro culture sales ad that's like, are you a rock star with more horsepower than your current company is allowing you to execute? And blah, blah, blah. You want to come work for the one of the fastest growing, coolest startups out there and have like, okay, these job ads like have to go. This is not how we market for salespeople. If I hear the word rock star one more time about a salesperson, like, the, okay, can we just all agree that a rock star is a person that like sings and plays an instrument and is on a stage? That is a rock star. Let's let them be on the stage. Rock stars are all over the place. They're tough to manage. They're difficult people to be around. They have a ton of ego. They're messy. They drink. They do drugs. They tear up hotel rooms and okay, they need rehab by the time they're 40. So we don't need a sales team of rock stars. Let's let rock stars play music and be on the stage and be in a rock band and let them be that. We need to stop using that descriptor for salespeople. As a woman who grew up in the sales ranks, like I am anything but a rock star. Like, okay, I kind of have big hair today though and hoop earrings. So like, I may be a little rock star-esque today. But on that note, I'm a sales professional who puts my client first. I'm a sales professional that learns my product inside and out so that I can be a knowledgeable technical ninja in front of my prospective clients. I'm a salesperson who is so professional, articulate, does my homework, shows up prepared, and I know how to serve my prospects and win their business. I'm a salesperson that doesn't stop the sale at winning a prospect. I stay through the entire onboarding experience to ensure that everything that was promised was delivered, even when it's not in my job description. I'm not a rock star. Quit marketing to me that way. So we look at how we're going to make this first sales hire and how we're going to grow this team. And unfortunately, we have this mentality that we're going to put somebody who's a great salesperson into a VP of sales role. I rattled off a whole bunch of things that are typically in a VP of sales job description. I got to the comp plan part and then got into the actual, uh, how do we write a job at our job description, both for this hire. But then we have to think about the playbook. What is the actual systematic sales process and playbook? 
Also, what is the tech stack? How well versus this VP of sales and CRM and automation? What does the VP of sales know about partnering with marketing? What do they know about sales enablement? What does the VP of sales know? about market testing and getting in with the customers and understanding ICP and buyer personas and how they need to adjust the sales pitch and conversation to each unique buyer. Is the VP of sales able to draw out a process map with the if-thens and map out all unique processes? Like if you're hiring a salesperson and then you're saying, oh, there's a path to VP of sales, then what training are you providing? What courses are you putting through? What mentorship are you giving them to be successful? A glorified salesperson is not a VP of sales. Like get your terminology right or you're going to fail. Like it's so frustrating how many times I have seen somebody with a VP of sales title and I hear all the time with the CEOs that I get to work with and they're like, well... They have a VP of sales title, but they're not a VP of sales. Like, no kidding. Tell me more about that. Like, it's so common and we can stop the madness now. So we have a lot of VPs of sales who have a title that really aren't a VP of sales. And this is a huge failure point. So wise up on that. So let's say your company is a little bit bigger. Maybe the sales org really already has 25 to 50 people. And we're really talking about a real VP of sales position. Like they've got some experience. They've got a good track record. They've scaled some companies, maybe been along for an IPO. They've got some really great experience. So they come on board. So we're talking about a slightly more mature company with a sales org and you bring on that VP of sales. Why might they fail? Okay. Here are some common things that I've seen companies do. They have a great product for SMB. And then their investors are pushing on them to grow the average revenue per sale. And so they say, well, the easiest way to do that is to have a larger customer because it's a per user per month fee or it's a, you know, seat based, license based, volume based, whatever it is. So let's go after larger customers. Okay, great. So the VP of sales gets tasked for entering a new market, but no testing was done. Is the product or service even viable for that market segment? What research was done to even confirm that you could sell that product or service into that market that buyer actually has a use case for it, agrees it solves their problems, it goes head to head or is better than the current competitors in that space, and that your price point is validated and tested and confirmed by the market that they're willing to spend that money. Oftentimes those steps don't happen. And so the VP of sales is tasked with growing in a market segment, but the product team and the marketing team didn't do their work to validate that it even should be in that segment. That could be where VP of sales fails. What about inheriting a team that is burnt out, overworked, untrained, inconsistently hitting numbers, and the culture is just toxic? What are you doing as a leader from the top to fix that? Because it comes down from you. A VP of sales can't magically come in and fix that toxicity in a sales org overnight. Oftentimes it's fed because your revenue departments run in silos. They don't have support for marketing. Marketing doesn't listen to them. They're frustrated with the leads that come through. They're not valuable or worth anything. Oftentimes there's friction between sales and operations. Maybe operations and sales haven't historically worked well together in the past. So operations thinks that sales oversells and they have to clean up their messes. If there hasn't been camaraderie at the leadership level and alignment and people working holistically on a single revenue plan, oftentimes the salespeople are going to pay the price for that because at the end of the day, they are the ones who have compensation based on performance. And so if anyone's going to have a bad attitude or be worried about um, getting fired or not maximizing their comp plan in OTE, by the way, that's a topic for another episode is faux TE, faux like as in not real. 
F-O-T-E. O-T-E is on target earnings. I think it is one of the, okay, I'm going to save all my thoughts for a different episode. Let me just tell you, if I'm already calling it F-O-T-E, you should know how I feel about it. Anyway, we're going to make a note, future episode, F-O-T-E. I did not come up with that, by the way. I read it on LinkedIn. I'm going to try and track down the source so I can credit that person because it's pretty brilliant. FOTE. Anyhow, we're going to talk about that. But what did the VP of sales inherit? If they inherited a toxic mess, please do not expect them to turn that around overnight. That is going to be an effort by everyone. So when your VP of sales does their initial research, when they come into the role and they come to you and say, I believe that these are the root causes of why we're experiencing the symptoms that we are with lack of performance, then you need to listen to them. You need to honor that and you need to be willing to make the right investments to change the ecosystem at the core root of the problem and quit expecting them to solve the problem by only addressing the symptoms, which is where a lot of VPs of sales are brought in. Address the symptoms. Is it there's a lack of sales? You know, we want to uh, go up market or whatnot and we want to expand. The, you know, the symptom is our average revenue per sales too low. So we believe the way to maximize that is to get bigger clients, et cetera. What is the symptom? What are they trying to solve for? Go to the root and dig in and allow your VP of sales the time to do that. But then also when these brilliant, wonderful VPs of sales come back to you and with a full report of data, you have to do something. You can't look at it and be like, okay, well, that's not possible. I can't allocate any more budget to your department. You know, I can't allocate for any more headcount. You're going to just have to work with what you have. Well, okay, come on. Like, let's be realistic. That doesn't even make any sense. You want a different outcome, but doing the same thing. Mm, great. It's a good thing you brought on a really brilliant, talented VP of sales who now has to do their job, their hands tied behind their back and blindfolded and duct tape over their mouth. Like this isn't realistic. And then you're going to wonder why they don't perform in 12 months. And they're going to, they're going to get turned if they don't proactively look for another job. And you're going to have a lot of turnover in that position. So my, my advice to you is to understand why most VPs of sales fail so that when you go to make this hire, looking at the stage of business that you are in, you can be smart in how to conduct the proper evaluation of where you are and who you actually need in the role. From there, when you make a decision, is it a salesperson? Is it a VP of sales? Is it a sales manager? What is it? When you look at that, then you are educated and you should be in a better spot than maybe your peers have been in the past and avoid some of those mistakes. The last thing I'm going to say about VP of sales, especially in an earlier stage company, is that there's a difference in VP of sales between the left brain and right brain. In an earlier stage company, whether it's startup scale or second stage scale, a VP of sales usually is tasked with two things, infrastructure, process playbook, systems, technology, all of that, and sales, coaching, mentoring, training, and actual selling and execution. Good luck finding a VP of sales unicorn who can do both. They're very rare. Even if they can do both, they're going to have bias toward one side. So as an example, I'm one who can do both. You can plug me in as a VP of sales. I'll build a great process. I will build a great team. I can build a great playbook. But my passion and my energy and my bias is toward the actual sale, being in front of customers, being in the field. That's the work I like to do. It's not the work behind the desk. I'm not detail oriented. And so if you hire me, you better feel comfortable with the fact, like if you hire someone like me, I should say, if you hire someone like me who, yes, they can do both, but they're always going to have the bias to being out in the field and doing the actual work with their team and be more that player coach and not doing 
the work behind the scenes and being detail oriented, then there could be a failure point there for you. Like we've had a lot, we've heard a lot of VP of sales who have a stronger bias to the actual sales component of the role and they're brought in to build a playbook and it's a joke, right? They're brought in to help build out a CRM and it's, it's a mess. I mean, they just don't have the talent and skills to bring forth in that area. Now, there are also VPs of sales that are very operationally minded and systems minded. Guess what? They're going to build the best infrastructure for you. They're going to build the best playbook. But when it comes to getting out in the field, you're going to feel like you are pulling teeth to get that VP of sales to be present with your sales team and to be on calls. They're going to be way more comfortable behind their desk and in their spreadsheets than they are in the field. And so the challenge with that is earlier stage, you really need to have somebody that's going to be actively engaged with the customer because they are, when you're smaller, it's more focused on revenue generation. Now, in a bigger company, you probably want a VP of sales that is more operationally minded because in a bigger sales org, you have sales managers that are typically in the field with their salespeople. So your VP of sales shouldn't be that player coach. They need to be detail oriented, process oriented, operationally minded. Like that's a better VP of sales. So this goes so deep. And I'm hoping that this was helpful for people that are trying to evaluate like what who do we hire next is it a salesperson is a vp of sales what's the difference between a sales manager and a vp of sales and we're at this specific stage of growth what do we do hopefully that was helpful um this is a topic near and dear to my heart it's how we got started in business about five years ago so until next time 